Hello everyone and welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Uh, coming up on this week's show we've got album reviews from The Good, The Bad and The Zugly, Dealey Plaza, Champ with a full stop, Defiled, not that one, and Spanish love songs. But first we are going to start with a wee bit of news because just, well, probably about an hour or two ago before recording this, Trivium announced details for their brand new ninth album. Um, it was coming out April 24th through Roadrunner, and it is called What the Dead Men Say. Um, it's been, it's a eerie, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Looks like some kind of like seed bud that's just finished catching fire. Um, very eerie looking album artwork, I kind of dig it. You've got a lead, what's the word? Lead single, lead music video uh, for Catastrophist. It's a really, really, really fun song. On the pre-chorus, I, I don't know if it's a guest vocal or if it's just Matt really expanding what he can do with his vocals now, but... Um, yeah, there's like, in the pre-chorus, there's like a... Almost like punk rocks, kind of like thrash metal. It's not quite clean, but it's not quite a screen kind of thing. And... If it is Matt, because it does sound like Matt, but not all the way, if that kind of makes sense. Um, if it is him, then I, that's another cap in the sound of trivia now. And it, it sounds brilliant. It fits the song well. It's not so different. It's jarring. Um, and the final like third of the song where everything wraps up and it almost becomes like a mellow death kind of song. It's fucking unreal. Um, is it still? It's not Alex. Ugh, sorry, I'm wrapped up in a blanket because my house is so fucking cold. Is it still Alex Bent as drums? Drummer? Drum? Drum with drum? Yes. Um, it is still Alex Bent. Um, he's a fucking brilliant, isn't he? Um, I know I couldn't remember his name, but still. Just, oh, that, I've listened to it once and all I keep thinking about is just that final um, third, like I said. Everything kicks in, everything's going double time. You've just got Alex going absolutely mad. Matt sounds the best again, just keeps sounding so fucking brilliant with every new release. I'm rather excited about it. It's called What the Dead Men Say, it's coming out April 24th, and yeah, you can listen to Catastrophist right fucking now. It's also got a really eerie music video, which I've just got a screen cap for. It's two men pulling a rope with no eyes and sticks over their mouths. Sure. Um, moving on to a festival announcement. Now, I did want to, like, just not do festival announcements anymore because it's the, everyone's got a festival now. There's always too many names. But 2,000 Trees sounds fucking brilliant this year. They've just released another, I think it was, yeah, 42 bands. And to join Jimmy Eat World as headliners, you've got... I need to take a, a big old breath. Creeper, The Amazons, Dinosaur Pilot, Young Guns, Boston Manor, Knock Loose, Counterfeit, The Joy Formidable, Dreamstick, The Get Up Kids, Silverstein, The Witches, Rome, Hot Milk, Vukovi, Shapes, Ladybird, Kip Capici, Nervous, Black Futures, Saint-Pierre, 
Snake Invasion, AJJ, Calvert Lewis, Chapter and Verse, Laura Hibbard, Lizzie Farrell, Ten Times a Million, Raiders, We Never Want, We Never Learn to Live, Blue, Castles, The Winter Passing, Ithaca, False Advertising, Lucia and the Best Boys, Dream Nails, Half Life's Creature, Middle Distance, Ruse, The Horror, and Wargasm. Half of those I didn't even realise the first time looking at the poster, but my freaking god, that sounds amazing. Where's Cheltenham? How do I get there? It's really far away from me, isn't it? God fucking damn, it just sounds insane. And it's such a diverse lineup, so you, no one can say like there's nothing for them there. You've got like upbeat party punk from like uh, Dinosaur Parlors. You can go all goth and ting with Creeper. Go old school with a band like Silverstein. Go very, very new with Vukovi. Go mad with Saint Pierre. Um, Snake Invasion. Go really poppy with Lizzie Farrell. There's just so much there, and it sounds fucking excellent. So yeah, if you got the chance to go down and jump them to check out Two Thousand Trees, fucking do it, you fuck. And one last bit of news before we move on to album reviews. It's kind of sad news. Adam Roffey from Preston Miko has announced he's going to leave the band, or he has left the band. Um, don't want to run that too much. I like Preston Miko. I like them a lot. I feel like they have the potential to be something really, really big. Um, even bigger than they are now. And from the announcement from both Preston Miko and Adam, everyone's on good terms. There is no ill will that I can see. It's just wants to move on and do something different. And you, it's admirable. You can't ever say no to things like that. So best of luck to Adam. Best of luck to the rest of Preston Miko. Um, I feel like a day, a few days after they've announced it, they have announced that they're going to do a new show. So it doesn't look like they're disbanding or whatever for whatever. Um, but yeah, big news coming out of Bristol Miko. Best of luck with everyone involved, and yeah, kind of sad. It's bit, but it's bittersweet because although he is leaving, and you don't at this moment don't know what it's going to do for Bristol Miko. The fact that everyone seems to be, still be on good terms. That's uh we'll, we'll allow it. We, we will allow it. You're welcome. Let's move on to the man reviews then. So, we're going to start in Oslo, in the Norway. Um, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. With their fourth album, Algorithm and Blues. They are a upbeat, party punk kind of band. Excuse me. Um... Uh, the way I've been looking at it is, imagine Turbo Negro, but for every bit of campus, Turbo Negro were, are, um, they just replaced it with a lot more crunch and a lot more just dirty punk and roll, I guess. Uh, the most, like, well, I can't remember if I knew this before or after listening to the album a few times, but... Um, a key thing for the good, bad, and ugly, and why I think more people are aware of them now, is that their frontman Ivar Nikolaisen is now the frontman and lead singer of Caval Attack, whose album I will probably get round to in the next couple of weeks. Um, where to begin? This was an album where I kept thinking every time I switched off, I was like, "Ah, oh, that was kind of fun," but never mind. Going back to the um, review listen. It's so much more fun than I remember, each and every time. There's a lot, lot of good things on this album. Um, like I said, for every bit of 
um, campiness that Turbo Negro had back in the day in the Death Punk kind of stuff. Uh, GBZ sort of replace it with just a bit more oomph and a bit more crunch to the sound. It borders on the realms of hardcore, but not too much where it's all shouty screamy, if that makes sense. The Welcome to the Great Indoors is a great opening track for the album. Got plenty of um, hard rock influence in there. There's a lot of people comparing it to um, ACDC, more specifically Thunderstruck. And I completely get it, and it's not a bad thing at all. It's a very good homage to the song if it is. And it even slightly promotes the idea of staying inside, which I'm always going to be a fan of. The melodies on Staying With The Trouble, probably my favourite song on the album. And the way it is, again, very, very punk rock in the way it gets in a lot of like a gown vocal from the backing vocalist. And Ivar doesn't really like sing above it. They just let them be that like, big group chant. And it's a few instances across the album where you've got the gang vocal in and he very rarely has like his growl over the top. He often just like goes in with it. So be, he goes a bit more clean um, to really like oomph up the sound because obviously in the mix he will be the loudest man anyways. Uh, there's a very, very modern punk rock attitude in Fuck Life, How to Live It. But How to Live It, excuse me. And it is all about working the nine to five in the week, getting blackout drunk in the weekend and doing it all over again. It's just... Trying to rage against the machine, yeah, rage against the system, but at the same time, living and like going by every day. The kids are alt right and Requiem, two other really good songs. Kids alt right are very good. Um, what well, sorry is a very good commentary on modern politics and how that the younger generations are more getting involved in politics and Requiem. It's just a really great fun ending track it ends the album with just as much energy as welcome to the great indoors brings into the album um i feel like ivor snarl really really works well and really fits this kind of music it's a kind of sound where it was the kind of vocal that you imagine if it was a if he was at a gig he'd be the first one in there he would do the gig be the most energetic man in the venue finished the gig and he'd be the last one out and be like the last one out of the after party as well and he'd just keep going and going and going he's got so much energy and so much power in his vocal and in this kind of setting i think it just worked really really well i'm intrigued to find out how well it works for cavella attacks i know they've got like a lot of um that black and roll infused punk um but because it is decidedly more metal i don't know if it's going to add more to their sound or going to take things away. I haven't got to the Caval Tag album yet, but very much looking forward to it on the back of this album. Like I said, it was something that I never, like, when it was on, I had a great time, then it stopped, and I was like, okay, just move on to the next thing, because I've got to get through them all. But listen to it for the review, listen, there's more of it that I remember now that I didn't really realise than I thought there would be. It's a really fun little album, like I said. The Staying With A Trouble song. It's the most melodic song on the album. There's just like a lot more clean singing, a lot more gang vocals than there is anywhere else. And it is like what, the 
third song in, but it doesn't take away from the energy at all. And I, I really, really like that song the more I think about it. So yeah, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, really, really upbeat, fun, punk rock. And the album's called Algorithm and Blues. Moving on to the kind of like opposite end of the hardcore spectrum, really. The band's called Dealey Plaza and the album is called AD, which is, trust me, a bit of a pain in the ass to Google. Um, this is their third album. They come from Fort Myers in Florida. And they were previously described as a deathcore album, a deathcore band, sorry. And every like other review and every like promotion I see for this album, they're still saying, oh, they're a deathcore band, they're a deathcore band, a deathcore band. I really wouldn't say they're deathcore. At least not now. I am... Um, so I should say, this is their first album of five years. It is their first since they had... They briefly disbanded in 2018. And I think they came back... 19? Either way, they were gone for a while. And they've come back with a, a near completely new lineup. And... Yeah, just... I can't think what the previous album was called, but I had like a quick look through it and it's silently deathcore. Oh, fuck now. Um, yeah, a lot of blast beats, a lot of like fast drumming and it. it's just like a wall of like angry sound. Whereas this, I don't, it, it's a lot heavier than your standard beatdown kind of hardcore, but there's so much more hardcore in there now. Like the opening song of, um, the opening title track, it's it's just this big swelling groove that opens a song and then when it cuts into the verse and everything picks up pace a little bit it's still not frantic double bass and like hilarious time signatures it is a much more hardcore db kind of double kick bass does that make sense um and i think it's just give it just makes it sound better to me because I'm not big a big fan of the whole beatdown hardcore thing. I feel like I should be, but I just can't get into it. Because I think this cut touches in more with a hardcore side of thing while still having the brutality of something like Deathcore. I never really found myself getting bored with it, which is something that happened a lot with when I was listening to that Net, um, Not Glue's album, for example. I got bored of that really quickly with this one. I was happy to just keep going with it. I think Dr. Death is probably the closest they get to like an old school deathcore kind of sound but otherwise yeah it's a much more very groove very intense beat down hardcore kind of thing um and with them being back there's obviously the pent up aggression of not having outlets for all those years and um, particularly for brian long who is the lead vocalist the biggest thing for me is that it is very very politically minded in the song adversary you've got um it samples Trump saying that he's going to run for the election. And in The Hour of the Witch, it is literally a three and a half minute long song, which is the interview with Robert Mueller, who but being asked questions about how, what Trump thought about his, the Mueller report and his investigations, whether or not it was a witch hunt. And it's just soundtracked by Dealey Plaza just going absolute ape with this very groove-laden beatdown hardcore. As I say, in terms of like beatdown, it's not a genre that I've really clicked with. Although this won't win me over, 
I don't think. I also didn't hate it, which I know is like a very backhanded compliment, but like I said, Knock Loose were meant to be like the kings of this sort of thing. I couldn't remember a single song from uh, A Certain Shade of Blue. And I struggled to finish it because it was just really, really dull and very, very... It wasn't even cathartic, it just like, it felt like the same song being played ten times. Whereas this, it kept my attention all the more. Um, having a song called Epilogue as your second song just defeats every album that's ever had at last in the track listing ever. Um, that fact aside, I, it's, it's, it's just a daft song. I love it because it's just this slow going intro that goes into this like high pitch crunch evil and it's just daft it's so dumb but i I've really really enjoyed that song a lot um and yeah if you are like me you really struggle with the beat down hardcore stuff i really would recommend giving this a go like i said as much as everyone keeps saying it's oh they're like deathcore's greatest jam it's, like, ah, it's just not it's not deathcore anymore to me at least, there's an influence in there, but it's just, to me it's not the same. And you know what I'm like with my genres, I like to be very, very anal about it. Just love me them genres. The album's called AD. It's the third album from Dealey Plaza, obviously out new. And yeah, if people would like struggle with death, um, fucking shit, beat down as well. Let me know how, it, how you feel about it, because I might just be in a class of one, which I usually am, but yeah, give it a go. Moving on then, and to look at a tiny little release tucked down away in the crevices of Bandcamp. Um, the band is called Champ, uh, with a full stop, it's very important, and it is their debut release, well, non-single release, it's called About Last Summer, it is a Firetrack EP. Um, Champ hail from Bro the Boston? Boston, Massachusetts, and they are... They were well. They were advertising me as like an e, um, indie rock, indie pop kind of band. To me, there's like a very underlying bit of grunge in there, which I think I've just pretty much got from "Fight Like a Girl," um, which I'll get to. But other than that, a lot of indie influences in there. Maybe touches on indie. Um, fucking god damn it, touches on emo a little bit. But here we are. Um, for a for such a short release, it comes in at just under twenty minutes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of personality in it. Everyone in the band has like a little chance to shine and show off and like show what they can do. Um, one thing I found quite interesting is the guitars from obviously it's box standard for like the bass to accentuate guitars and make make them sound a bit bigger and a bit heavier and what have you but there was more than one occasion and the biggest one I remember off the top of my head was in Teeth and I think it was Seeing You um, you've got bassist Jasper, Fle uh, Jasper Fleming who's like doing his little noodles and like how much bass I know and he's backed up by the guitars of Mary Shrekman and uh, John McIntyre and it, all they're doing in the background is just like floaty indie rock wrist, but it just gives that extra bit of oomph to the bass. And it's not really something that I've heard that much before. Um, 
drum fills and the drum rolls from Dakota Maycrance, it just adds a little bit of personality and it's not to the point where it feels like the drums have been recorded outside of the rest of the band and it's just showing off like, look what I can do, I can do triplets. It feels like it's got a purpose and it does feel like it just keeps the energy up for uh, the release. Um, but the biggest thing that really drew me in to listen to Evie in the first place was front woman Mary Schwickman's voice. And I feel like it is super lazy to say this because I feel like every um, female fronted indie or pop punk band in the last 15 years has had this comparison, but the, it, oh, I just got to say, I'm like, Paramore basically is what I'm trying to avoid saying, but the way Hayley Williams, particularly on After Laughter, when she's like really grew into her voice and it's very, I want to make sure I get the right one, Kate Nash? I always get Kate Nash and Kate Bush mixed up. The modern indie one, I think it's Kate Nash. The way Kate Nash has like this really big, it's not, not operatic, but like, booming kind of voice without being in your face. Um, that's how I kind of think um, Hayley really grew into her voice from going with, being like a, like a twee pop punk kind of go to this like huge sounding, very mature indie rock kind of sound. Um, uh, the sound I'm trying to describe is On Hard Times, the song. Obviously you've got um, the chorus and it's very like, Hayley Williams-esque. In like the post-chorus bit, like, and now gets rock bottom. That kind of like really in your face without being intrusive kind of voice. That's kind of what I pick up from in Mary's voice. She's got a very distinct voice. I don't know if that's accent or just how she accentuates words. But for me, I feel like she's got a very very captivating kind of voice, and I think that could be like using that as like a weapon in the same way that. I feel like Paramore did really early on when music except for like, hey, she's a girl and she plays music. Whereas now I feel like it's a lot more normalised and it's just, hey, this person has talent. And yeah, I feel like you can really, really push Mary as a front. And with the music, with the musicians behind her who could, who clearly are creative and know how to get a lot from each instrument, I feel like they could be really interesting, really fun kind of band. The downer points I've got from the release as a whole, bearing in mind it is their first release, so I am being a dick. Um, the mix is really, really weird. Um, like I said, everyone in the out, everyone in the band, sorry, has got a chance to really show off what they can do with each individual in instrument that they have. Um, you've got Mary, who has like this really quiet, um, floaty indie vo um, vocal that turns into the big. Kate Nash, Hayley Williams stuff, like I was saying before. Um, you've got all the bass noodles that I said before, the really um, floaty indie rock riffs, little drum rolls. Everyone's showing off, but every time someone is having those, excuse me, those moments where they can say, this is what I can do, they become the front of the mix and everything else just gets really, really quiet. Like in the versus the teeth, it's all really quiet, and everyone's just doing a little bit. But everything's and then everything just comes back in, and everything's back in a normal type of like sound volume. Sound volume. There we go. 
and yeah, I just feel like instead of keeping it like quite middling and like everyone's at their own pace, it's constantly just fluctuating. Like, what part's going to be the most prominent part of the song? What part's going to be like just hidden in the background a bit? And um, looking at the behind the scenes on their Bandcamp, it was mixed externally with input from Dakota and Jasper. For me, I would say just let it have, like, I've, I completely get musicians want to have the final say on their releases. That is well within the right to say, like, now we kind of want to be like this or we kind of want to be like that. Not taking that away from it all, but I also feel sometimes they maybe need to, I'm not saying this has happened here, I have no idea what happened here, I don't know these people, but for the producer or the mixer just to say, look, I kind of see why you think that, but just try it like this and see what happens. And to have a more like normalized mix, I think just would have like really kept the, um, both of the release a lot better. Um, but I might be talking out my ass. It might just be like, this is the greatest thing we've ever done as a group, as a unit. Um, the mixer never, uh, never, fucking hell. Nina Cavaliero, this might be her pièce de résistance. That's not the right word, that's not the right expression, but you know what I mean. And I might be completely, I might be wrong, but for me, just the mix was a little bit off, and yeah, if they were good, next release, I feel like they should. Even if it is just a case of Nina saying, no, you fools, listen to me, I'm your overlord now. And yeah, just like, again, more normalized, but there we are. And the other point I've got, I don't even know if it's a downer or not. It's a, it's a half a downer. You're a one and a half minus that scathing. Of the five songs, I really enjoyed um, Teeth, Fight Like a Girl, and Seeing You. Like I said, Fight Like a Girl's got an underlying like, grungy sort of ness to it, where it goes super quiet and then explodes more than Teeth and Seeing You. But I couldn't really vibe with Nina and Six Feet Down. And the more I thought about them, the more I realised it's because when Nina and Six Feet Down come on, I can immediately say that sounds like this. Whereas, admittedly, like my scope of indie rock is very, very minimal compared to other genres. But with Teeth, with Fight Like a Girl and with Seeing You, I feel like they are quite unique and quite individual songs. You know where they, you can hear a lot of influences being played but they are very different kind of songs. When Nina comes on, the first act I think about is Small Talks, which is an indie pop musician. I can't remember her real name. Um, she released an album last year. Uh, something about conversations. Conversations with you, I think. That's not right, but, and it's not a bad thing to sound like Small Talks. I really, really like that album. I was gutted that I couldn't play, play satire on my end of year list, but, it's not a bad thing to sound like that. The other song, Six Feet Down, I spent a solid hour trying to figure out what band from the mid-2000s UK indie scene it reminded me of. And that was an hour spent listening to mid-2000s UK indie. And that was an hour of my life that I'm never going to get back because my God, that was a bad time. Um, and I initially thought Maximo Park, and that wasn't quite right. Then I went with The Kinks, and that wasn't quite right either. I finally settled on 
the comparison like sonically to the strokes and where it's it's not not okay yeah whereas it's not not okay to sound like small talks it's very good to sound like small talks don't sound like the strokes just just don't do it i've lived that life i was there i, I was there for 2005 i you had 2005 and then when it broke into like the later years i was living abroad with one music channel that played whatever was popular you know what was popular in the mid 2000s mid 2000s uk indie rock you know what played all the fucking time? Mid-2000s UK indie rock. Just, just please don't let me go that world again. Sound like, if you're gonna have to, if you have to sound like someone, sound like Small Talks. Sound like, sound like Paramore. I even allow Paramore. Don't fucking sound like The Strokes. Don't sound like The Kinks or Maximo Park. We left them, we left those people behind for a reason. We're not prepared to leave Paramore or Small Talks behind yet. But if you like, Really floaty indie pop rock stuff. Go for Champ. Why the fuck not? They're an underground band. It's oh, you get like the hipster points from knowing about these sort of things. It's like oh, you probably haven't heard of this, but they're fucking great. And then you look like a dick, but you feel great. Their EP is called About Last Summer. They are a pain in the ass to Google because the name is literally Champ at the full stop. Google doesn't like that at all. Um, to search the whole thing, Champ about last summer, there's your their band camp will eventually pop up and from there you can find their Facebook and Instagram and also through their Spotify which they've also linked together. So do that, listen to underground music, it's good for you. Speaking of underground, we're gonna go to Tokyo now for some death metal. Yay! The sixth album from a band called Defiled. I got really excited when I saw a band called The Fibers release an album, but it wasn't the one that I grew up with, and then I got very sad. But then this made me feel better again, in a weird, death metally kind of way. Um, the album is called Infinite Regress. They are, they've got a bit of a cult... What's the word? Cult following, from what I can tell. Um, it is a follow-up to 2016's Towards Inevitable Ruin. There was a weird gap. Hang on, let me see if I can find it again. Yeah, so they had an album in 1999, an album in 2001, an album in 2003, and then inexplicably there's a massive gap, but I can't, I can't find anything that says, oh, they split up or they went on a break or whatever. But their next album didn't come out to 2011. Which, you know, a little strange, but I don't know, might just be really, really busy. Um, aside from a... I won't lie, it's a pretty cliche intro um, of... I've lost the fucking track listing because I went to look at how far away. Uh, oh, the intro track is literally called Intro, fuck's sake. Um, it's kind of cliche because it's just like, humans are a plague. Which I think pretty much every death metal band has said at least one point in their discography. Um, I found this to be quite an interesting mix because it's an old school death metal kind of vibe. Um, and a lot of that, I think, comes from the production. It's got that old, like, classic haze to it. I can't really think of a better way to describe it. But the songwriting in it is very tech metally, or very tech death metally. Um, not to level as like a... Which is, you know, 90% of the time, absolute wank. 
Um, it is like a crazy assortment of um, chord progressions and like low-end technicality. Um, and when it comes down to it, just big chonking riffs just everywhere. And yeah, made for like a really, again, a really interesting mix and something a little bit different to what I usually go to for what I like in extreme metal. Um, and I think a lot of the technicality, as long as like the guitarist and the band leader, Yusuke Sumita, a lot of it also came from the drummer Keisuke Kamada. I really hope I'm getting these names out as well. And they sort of like trade rhythmic responsibilities for the release. Um, there is a brilliant section in Tragedy. Not that one. Um, where Sumita starts off um, a new riff as Hamada is playing a beat from the previous section. And it's like it's quite slow and quite groovy. And then Hamada suddenly realizes, like, oh shit, now he's doing that part now. And then after a bar later, he then kicks in and it's like this super like triplet bass drum line. And it completely changes the rhythm of that section of song. And it becomes like a bit more of like an OG like thrash into death metal, like the old school um, Slayer EPs, where it's like on the brink of being thrash metal and um, like a black metal or a death metal, like in that sort of chasm, if you will. And then Sumita starts another riff while Hamada carries on the previous drum line from before. It almost feels like they have lined up everyone's um, everyone's takes and everyone's parts of the song, but just like on a tray, and it's like right, delicately put that there, and then that there, and then that there, and then all of a sudden you've got someone walking in, knocking everything, and then everything's just slightly off, and it's not, it feels it doesn't feel like. Saying that aloud to me, it, if someone described an album to me, I felt like that would cause headaches, but it just feels really well put together at the same time. It's really, really weird. It's disjointed and it's really um, out of time and out of line without feeling mathical, without feeling anything mathy really, and without feeling particularly avant-garde. It's still very death metal, and it's just more like a peak of tech death with, while still being just maddening, and you can't really think of how they would got to what if we did this, this, because having that riff where it's like one person starts and then one person catches on like a bar later could be disastrous. It could sound really, really poor and really, really um, amateurish, but they pull it off really, really splendidly well. And the other song that I really want to focus in on is the song Centuries, um, which is track eight. There is a, it, the opening riff to it. It's just like a march bounce. Like... <laughs> Fucking love it. It's so daft and silly, but I absolutely adore that riff. Um, so Tragedy and Centuries definitely like the big songs for me on this album. Um, and I've really not got anything bad to say, apart from, you know, it is super cliche in the um, intro saying all humans are a plague. Brr. It's a fun, well, ha, fun's the wrong word for death metal, isn't it? It's just a, a, a good time, I guess. 
I don't know, whatever positive emotion people have for death metal. Um, with it being discordant, without being weird and proggy and mathy, um, it just keeps you on the toes. It's, it, I feel like it does what death metal is always meant to do. It's like meant to keep you uneasy if you're not quite sure what's happening next, but in a really comforting kind of way, as stupid as those sentences were to have together. Um, but yeah, I feel like if you are into your tech stuff, you will um, this will suit you quite well in the same way as if you are into like your old-fashioned extreme metal. This will sit very nicely in your collection. Um, the album is called Infinite Regress. It is a sixth album from the Japanese death metal stalwarts, Defiled. Um, it's out of Season of Mist as well, which it's always fun to have something on Season of Mist. Right, on then to the last album of this week. It is an album that I was very much looking forward to. It's an album that everyone's gone absolutely bananas over. It is Spanish Love Songs with their third album, Brave Faces Everyone. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Brave uh, uh, Spanish Love Songs even, are a five-piece indie, emo, pop-punk boost. Um, they hail from LA and they are just super sad all the time. But they sound brilliant being sad. Um, the 2000... Fucking hell. 2018 album Schmaltz was it both it blew up from basically um, I must admit I was a little bit late to the party um, I think I've only listened to it the first time either late 18 or early 2019 um, I'm fairly certain it was to a point where I, it did, never really featured highly on an end of year list obviously looking back now it would shoot straight up but there are so many very, very good songs in there that I still listen to now. You've got um, Nuevo, you've got um, sequels and adaptations, you've got Joanna on Five Parts, you've got Boy Considers Haircut. It, was, it is just a fucking class album. And yeah, just really good at singing big punk anthems whilst being really crazy sad. And I'm really into that vibe at the moment. I'm really, really into that vibe at the moment. With Brave Faces, everyone, um, it had the... What I didn't realise was the lead single in Losers, which, again, just talked about how life's going to get you down because we're all a bit shit, aren't we? In a really arm-around-the-shoulder kind of way, and this is what I enjoy about, like, the the bigger names of emo are there because they write songs, they write lyrics that are very, very um, relatable, and you f you feel it. As daft as I say, and I've never really liked describing music that way, but you do feel what they say. Um, I've spoken about it a lot with um, the Menzinger, I've spoken about it a lot with uh, the Wonder Years, the way they can make an ordinary situation that you um, that happens to you all the time and like, man, yeah, that's kind of shitty, but whatever. And now there's someone else singing about it as well. It's like, fuck, man, it's, it, it is a down. I'm right. I'm okay to feel like this or I'm right to feel like that or whatever it is. Um, and it continues with Brave Faces. Everyone, I feel like this is a very Wonder Years inspired album 
musically. Like there's more than one occasion where you've got the verse and then the pre-chorus is like usually an isolated guitar bit with like a little bit of a hook and then the chorus pops in which is very apropos of the Wonder Years. I feel like, oh, what was this? Ah, fuck you. I closed the tab by mistake. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, Dylan Slocum, his vocals fit this really well. I heard one person say he's on the. It always sounds like he's on the cusp of crying, which I get that a lot from certain emo bands. I got that a lot from Dan Campbell on the years. I don't really feel it with this one. I felt like he's got a lot of emotion in his voice, um, and you do feel you can really relate. To everything he says in that regard, but I don't really feel like he's the same sort of emotion, like warbling at the back of his throat, in the same way that Dan Campbell can do. Um, I do appreciate every now and again in the Monk Hall, like the big um, bravado of like pop punk, and it's when I keep saying pop punk, it is the proper pop punk as well, with like punk rock with a very commercial, very popular music sensibility to it, as opposed to whatever Blink 182 did. But in amongst it all, when you've got Dylan essentially singing the blues and telling you it's everything's shit, but it's okay. Having Meredith Van Voort or Wart, I think it's Voort. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, she is the keyboardist of the band, and every now and again you'll just hear because like, a lot of the stuff just um, really adds tone to the guitar parts, anyways. But every now and then you'll just hear like an isolated key. And I don't know if it's the same for anything else, or anyone else, sorry, but to hear like an isolated key or just like any sort of like piano part in otherwise sad or extreme music, just that it always seems, pianos and like keyboards always seem like quite an innocent sound and innocent instrument to me. And just to hear that in amongst it all, like, don't you know you're meant to like poor man and like lyrics like that, and um, we're just losers anyways. Just to hear that little bit of blink in the background, I was like, you know what? It, there is that little glimmer of hope, that little sparkle of getting out of it all. There might just be me, but I've always really seen pianos that kind of way. It's just like a little bit of a light in what's usually bad darkness, but who knows? Um, so yeah, musically, it's nothing essentially groundbreaking. It is just very good musically, like I said. Uh, to take inspiration from the Wonder Years is never a bad thing. It's a lot of like um, big um, bombastic punk anthems. Even like the more badly sort of things like Optimism as a Radical Life's Choice. Um, you've, it does bounce between being like quite a soft and idyllic guitar part and then the rest of the band kicking for the choruses. For me, what really, really won me over for the album is just the lyrical content because again the emotion of what he um, sings about and how he how he talks about it as well it gets to you and it really really it's that it is the Menzinger syndrome where it feels like he's singing to you and only you but if you go to a show you're surrounded by people who all thought the same thing where this man who's never met you before is singing a song directly to you. And the more I've looked into the lyrics, the more 
it also harks back to it, like reference back to like the previous work. So on um is it the title track? Yeah, on the title track itself, it opens with broken nose, another texture ceiling. I know where I am. I'm pretending I'm. I pretend like I'm lost. Um, the broken nose part apparently like harks back to all these things about having a broken nose on. Um, is it adaptations? Boy, can say this haircut. I want to um, find the money to fix my nose and learn to breathe without facing. Little things like that just to hark back to their own back catalogue. I think they're so clever because it does have this overarching story. Um, for the band's narrative. And what was the other one that was in there? Oh, um, a little line. I, and I called in sick from life and I woke up and I didn't feel better. I don't know why I act, I act surprised. Um, refers back to the boy considers his haircut and aloha to no one. I want to wake up and maybe be better. And I, as soon as I read that, I remember that lyric. And that lyric sings in my head. I'm like, fucking hell, you, it is just one big narrative musically. Um, but to open the album with on any given day I'm a 6 of 10 and looking into the album for the review I've, I realised it's a reference and a call to I think the name was Scott Hutchinson from the Frightened Rabbit who um, a Scottish indie band who unfortunately passed away a few years ago and his last interview, his last televised interview, he said every given day I feel like I'm a 6 out of 10 um, and for the band that's a powerful lyric but to hear that out of context and just hear on any given day I'm a 6 of 10 to open an album on a song called Routine Pain on an album called Brave Faces Everyone I it, I knew from that point I was like man I'm going to really enjoy this and I remember listening to it at work as well, and I was telling um, one of the newer guys who is also really big into his emails that made just... I can't remember what it was at the time. I can't remember what the lyric is, but just find Brave Face Everyone by Spanish Love Songs and just listen to that first song. He's like, all right. Came back half an hour later. And, like, and said to me, like, any given day, I'm a six or ten. I'm like, that's the fucking line. He's like, mate, I almost started crying immediately. And it's it's... It is just that really, it's invasive without being brutal. It's relatable without being daft in a way. Um, and I was look, looking at it, it's like, I could go onto any song on, I'm on the genius.com. I can go to any song and find a fucking brilliant lyric, which is equal parts, well-written, very cleverly written, and just so grounded in how it is um just talking about life and how everything's just a really 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 shit at the moment um in fact let's try that actually shall we we'll start with kick um okay it's not quite as relatable but the shock of um when you saw your dad shoot for the first time, it must have came up quite a shock. You sat numb in your room for hours, ignoring the afternoon's drop-offs. Goddamn. <laughs> but I've always said, like, releases like this, I always wonder, I always, like, feel bad for the vocalist or whoever wrote the lyric, because someone's going to have to write about this. Someone's going to relate to that more than I ever will. And it's just dark. It's just really upsetting that people are going to have to go through that 
but the course of the claim you're a hero if you can make it off the couch. Um, you know the truth and what they say, the world's going to keep you either way. And how many times have you looked at any sort of like social media post about mental health and they'll say like, you know, you do you, like anything's a small victory. If you get up out there, if you get out of bed or you get up on the sofa, that's like one small victory today. And then inevitably you're going to turn on the news and find that something else has happened or your brain's just going to go, you know what, fuck you. Um, what should we go to next? We'll go to... Oh, what was it? It's Losers Part 2. Which, I have no money. So this song really hurt me. Um, don't you know you're bo born to die a poor man? Don't you know you're going to do yourself in? You'll always wake up tired because there's nowhere to go from here. That one hurt. That one hurt me in my soul. Because... I paid bills. Paid out for a wedding party and paid up for hanging out with friends and how already have no money and payday was five days ago you know really really it's they're simple concepts just like having no money and having like a cynical take on things from what other people have said but each and every time the way they word it he's such a very good lyricist and it just is strikes you all the more powerful I really, really enjoyed this album, if you haven't already tell. Um, it is the right parts, or right amount, sorry, of cynical and self-deprecating while still being a really, really fun thing to listen to. And, yeah, if you ever want an album to feel shit to whilst having a great time, I... It's going to be hard-pressed to beat this year, but Brayface Everyone might be the one of the year to really make you feel shit. Unless one of the years of Mensing is bringing out a new album, which... Um, yeah, it's unlikely, isn't it? But either way, Brayface Everyone, it's the third album from Spanish Love Songs. It is very, very good. It's very, very good at making you feel bad um, whilst having a great time. So, And who doesn't want that? And that will do it. For this week, I'll start rambling about lyrics that I haven't written. Next week, hopefully, we'll... We'll? I need to learn to breathe. Um, next week, we'll look at albums from Silosis, Green Day, Loathe, and Delane. And I hope you are there to join me whilst we... Well, I chat bollocks for another hour. Um, if you want to tell me I'm a fool want to tell me that I have a good idea or want to tell me pretty much anything you can find me on the socials at Desolation Pod. I'm on all your major ones Facebook, Twitter and Instagram come say hi otherwise I'll see y'all next week